eBay sellers. It's Suzanne A. Wells, your host, and welcome to episode number 49 of eBay the Right Way. Today's date is February 23rd, 2022. Wow, we are getting really close to the one year anniversary of this podcast. That went by so fast. Today's guest is Jennifer Elliott, and her motto is Don't pigeonhole yourself, diversify. And make sure you listen all the way to the end as Jennifer remembered some details after we recorded the podcast, which is totally understandable because it can be a challenge to remember details during an interview when you're put on the spot, (laughs) which I try not to do, but sometimes the details come later. So when that happens, I include them at the end. Before we get into the interview, we're going to do a quick calendar check-in. And let's jump ahead to February 28th, the last day of this month. The question is, how many items did you list this month? Just fill in that number. There's no right or wrong answer. Some months you list more than others but this will help you track your progress, especially if you're trying to accomplish more every month and list more items. And you can track this just on a notepad, just write down the number of items you listed each day of that month or write it directly on the calendar, do it on the notepad on your phone, however you wanna do it. But the bottom line here is, you can't improve what you don't measure. So let's say you count up those items that you listed and it was 50 for the month. You can push yourself the next month maybe to do 55 or 60 or whatever number is going to work for you. But just remember, you can't improve what you don't measure. Okay, and now we will get into the chat with Jennifer. We have Jennifer Elliott with us on this episode. And where exactly are you located, Jennifer? I am from Hudson, Wisconsin, so right on the border of Minnesota. And I'm about 20 minutes away from St. Paul, which is right next to Minneapolis, so the cities. Have you heard of Bloomington? I have, the Mall of America. Okay, that's where my little brother was born when we lived in Minnesota for a short time in the 60s. Bloomington, Minnesota. Yeah, I have gone. We go there often. Um, The Mall of America is there, so that's its claim to fame. Right, and my kids have been there. They went on a trip with their dad, so they've been more places in the world than I have, but um, they did go there. (laughs) And, you know, this was in the mid-2000s, I think, and there was a big bridge collapse up there. Oh, yes. Do you yeah. remember that? I do. Yeah, that was on the news for a long time. Yeah, that was scary. I I remember it because we do everything in Minnesota, even though we live in um, Wisconsin. So workshop, play, all Minnesota. And so it's always scary when you can kind of picture that could have been you on there. I mean, at 
I didn't take it daily, but enough where you think about that. Yeah, that was sad. Well, they were there near that bridge the day that happened. So I saw it on the news and it was like, yeah, mom, we're right near there. Mm -hmm. Texting them. And anyway, wow, that was, that was harsh. Yeah, that was. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, on to eBay. So I picked you out from the (laughs) super size (laughs) and the mega size sales because I just kept seeing your name popping up. And so let's talk about when you first started eBay and what, uh, what event or, you know, why you got started selling on eBay. Well, my husband has had our eBay account since June of 2000. So it's been on there for a long time, but um, I never really sold. I'd say around 2000 and like five, I did cabbie for a short time. I sold cabbie clothes. Um, oh, C-A-B-I, cabbie. Yes. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Like where I actually did the parties and brought the clothes and people would buy. Okay, so that was a direct sales model where you had to sell to people having parties and nothing online. Correct. Yeah. And I did that for maybe a year and it was fun, but I just kind of got out of it. And um, I used eBay to sell the remnants or the rest of my stock. And then I never really did it again um, until 2019, May of 2019. So pretty new. And that's kind of when I discovered I could sell other things like from Goodwill. (laughs) It never occurred to me before that. So it is kind of, I wish it would have occurred to me back after Cabby because that was kind of when the housing market wasn't doing good and we could have probably used the extra money more then. And it would have been a really nice time. But honestly, I probably had never even stepped foot in a Goodwill at that point in my life. So just wasn't meant to be then. But I didn't know about the stores either until someone I was working with in 2003 who just had the greatest fashion sense. She was always very put together and edgy and fun. And I was like, where do you get your clothes? And she's like, Goodwill. It's like, what do you mean? I didn't know you could buy stuff there. I thought it was just a place to take things to get rid of them. Yeah. (laughs) To donate. Yeah. And then. When I was shopping in there, I had lost my job and um, gone through a divorce, and I was looking for um, professional clothing to go on job interviews because my background was in corporate and banking and all that. And that's what I went there for. And then the idea, like you said, you put it together. Here's all this stuff I can sell. And I thought it was the most novel idea ever. Yeah, like nobody's thought of this. And, <laughs> and really, that was 16 years before you started doing it. So yeah, for the sellers listening, just because you can put it together in your mind doesn't mean everybody else can. Yeah, a lot of people don't even know this goes on. Yeah. They'll ask you questions about items and, you, and you're like, I don't know, this was in the state sale find. I don't know the history. And they don't even realize that we're getting stuff from thrift stores and wherever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It still didn't even occur to me much until I ran into one of my really good friends at Target and she 
was there. She's like, oh, I'm here. I'm just buying um, some shipping supplies because I sold something on Macari. And I was like, oh, what's Macari? And so she's telling me that it's this app. And, and I was like, that's a really good idea. I should sell just some of the stuff we have around home, the girls, my girls things. And, and so we went, I went home and I eventually like downloaded Macari and looked on there. And I was, I think I listed a couple things, but I got kind of bored with that fast <laughs> with my own stuff. And I realized that there was this woman on there selling pottery, like mad. And I'm like, wow, she is raking it in. And her name was Ray Dunn. And I was like, this woman is amazing. Really? Oh my God. I thought I was like this. I thought it was a woman, like literally just selling her own pottery. I was so out of it. So I remember Googling who Ray Dunn was. And I realized that it was this thing that people were doing and they would go to Home Goods or Marshalls or TJ Maxx and they would um, buy and then sell the more hard to find pieces. So I kind of played around with that. And I did that for actually quite a while. I, quite a few months, I would go and I would find things and I would sell it on Mikari. That got kind of old fast too, though, because your cost of goods is higher and it's everything. I got very good at shipping breakables right away. So that was kind of, I guess, a good learning point. But I started exploring YouTube. So really, YouTube is my biggest reason. It taught me about Goodwill. It taught me about eBay. And so I eventually just switched to eBay. And I did mostly clothes in the beginning, like everybody, because that was the YouTube people I was finding. And then I just branched out and I found you and I found others. And I joined your premium library in the beginning. And I like just took everything I could take in about everything. And yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. And yeah. I just, I kind of was like, you know, this is almost like a college education, just sitting here on YouTube for anyone to have. And it literally, yeah, I would just would listen as I was doing things or yeah, I just took in as much as I could about everything. Cause then I got kind of bored with clothes. It's not my favorite. I didn't like the measuring and I don't know the returns. So I kind of stuck with men's because men's clothing returned less than women's. And yeah, that's true. Yeah. And I did and that for a while. Men shop differently. Yeah. You know, I started off with golf shirts and men's clothing. And what I saw was they will buy multiples of something, you know, five golf shirts, size large, like they know what they want. They, they go on, they buy multiples, they're stocked up. They know their size. You know, women's clothing is so inconsistent yeah. with the sizing. Like you, you really don't know if it's going to fit, even yeah. if you put measurements, because everybody is shaped differently. And and unless you have one exactly like it that you're measuring, and you know that Ralph Lauren thing fits you perfectly, um, women's clothing is so much more inconsistent. But yeah. I did notice with men, they it's like they do their once a year shopping. Yep. <laughs> they go on and they buy a whole bunch of stuff and they're done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll still scan men's shoes and basic, like if something jumps out at me, I still will. But overall, I kind of switched to hard goods. And Well, let me back up a second to Ray Dunn because listeners might not know what that is. It's mm. R-A-E. D-U-N-N. It's a person's name. She's an artist. And her 
signature look is usually something white with long, skinny letters. Mm-hmm. So it might be a birdhouse that says bird on it or yeah. uh, salt and pepper shakers that just say salt and pepper. It's very plain looking. A lot yeah. of it is, not all of it. But mm-hmm. if you don't, you just look at it and think, wow, that's just so plain. Like, why would anybody want that? And I had a big Ray Dunn sale this week. I sold a set of three mugs. They oh, said like sea, surf and swim, something like that. Yeah. They were beach related and they were uh, 80 cents a piece. I put mm-hmm. it together and made a set because there had been a set with different ones like that. And I thought, oh, for somebody's beach house, this is perfect. And they sold for $125. Yeah, that's amazing. And, the, and they were different. They had the teal on the inside. Yeah. So that was a little bit different. But yeah. um, so I didn't know about it until a couple of years ago. I'm like, what is this Ray Dunn everybody's talking about? And it like, why is that so great? It's at TJ Maxx, it's at Home Goods, but it depends on when it was made. Not everything you're going to find at TJ Maxx and Home Goods is going to be valuable, but the earlier pieces that might show up in Goodwill or at garage sales are going to be more valuable. Yeah. Well, her earlier stuff is, it can be crazy valuable. The stuff I was finding at like Home Goods. It would be the pieces that they would only release a few of. Um, like the, there'd be certain birdhouses. Birdhouses were huge when I was kind of doing it. Yeah, that's so, a big thing with her. Yeah. And so I would go in and if I hit it right, you know, I would I would catch a couple birdhouses and I could I'd buy them and they'd be maybe 20, either $24.99 or $29.99. But then you'd turn around in Macari and you could sell it for one or $200, depending on somewhere between that. So those were really good. You didn't find those as often, but certain people would want, she did mugs with like names on them, but they couldn't find their name in their stores. And so if you could find it, then they would buy it from you for an upcharge or things like that. And it it was fun. It was fun because it kind of got me addicted to the hunt part of it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, now I don't think I think it's dropped a lot. And I don't think her stuff, it, you go into home goods, even the birdhouses now, I don't think are, you could turn around and resell. Yeah, Not I think ones. it's like everything else like that. Once the reselling market gets a hold of it, and so many people know the prices drop some, but don't be discouraged because there's cookie jars and mm-hmm. you know platters and all kinds of things. And it's ceramic, it's breakable. Mm-hmm. So- I I'm starting to see it more often. I've got some other mugs that are listed now, a set they're like travel and adventure or something like that. Mm -hmm. But there, she made so much stuff and I don't even know when she started maybe 10 years ago. Well, I think she was before she was in home goods and all that. Um, She was in just art studios she first had her own art studio. Then she went into smaller art studios. And so if you can find things from art, the art studios, you're talking like really big money, but that is not signed the same way. It's just her name and stuff. So that those are more, and she still does, I guess, make things for outside of home goods, TJ Maxx, Marshall's, mm-hmm. but they're pretty hard to find. I think 
but you never know. Yeah. People just have when, found them at garage sales. And when you're picking, you just never know what's going to show up in front of you that, yeah. I mean, it's, that's what, what keeps us addicted is <laughs> it's so it's unpredictable. It's like, yeah. you never know. That is, it so. is the best part. I remember going into a Goodwill for one of my first times. And ironically, I found an older, um, Ray Dunn mug and it had an older stamp on it. And I was like, that's so ironic because, <laughs> but, um, and I turned around and I remember I got it for maybe two ninety nine, and I sold it for 120 something. That was, yeah. and it was quick. It was a quick, very quick flip. Yeah. Yeah. So you have so to study was- the hallmark on the bottom. It doesn't say the date it was made. I don't think, but it's, it's mm-hmm. just what it looks like because, logos evolve over time and you can tell the time period something was made if you know that logo history like John Deere that's yeah. evolved over over 100 years and so depending on what the deer looks like you can figure out when it was made so then that's a fun part for me it's like oh what do I have here you know and mm-hmm. you can spend a dollar take it home do the research and sometimes you're pleasantly surprised um, by how old something is like, how did this even get here? <laughs> I, oh, yes. I love that. I love older like antiques and different things. And I love that research part of those of the vintage things. Now you also homeschool. I do. I have three daughters, 15, 12, and seven. Oh my. Yeah. The 15 and 12 year old, I really don't have to do much with. Fortunately, they're pretty self-sufficient, which is nice. My seven-year-old, she's in first grade. So she has only been in homeschool because of COVID. And right. so last year was kindergarten and she couldn't read. <laughs> so it really involved me a lot this year. She can read really well, but I still have to be there to direct and help her. So she so does take Were you homeschooling all along or you only transitioned during COVID? Well, I always, we, my girls have been in school and then the plan was once they hit middle school, they were going to homeschool and then we'd decide for high school what to do. So my oldest daughter, when COVID hit, she was actually in her first year of homeschool and, um, which was kind of nice because I had already done all the research on which school and her education was never interrupted. She just had her full year, like normal, which was nice. Yeah. That is a plus. Yeah. And then the following year was when it was still really bad. And so we just, I just knew I was going to keep my other two and I knew what school to put them in. So that was nice. And, um, yeah. And now my, so far my 15 and 12 year old don't want to go back. They are enjoying it a lot. So, and my seven-year-old I'm torn because I actually really do love homeschooling her. It's we're on a really good groove. It's really fun to watch her learn. And, but I would like her to go to school and, and get some of those things I can't give her the social part of it, you know, but yeah, like the food fights in the cafeteria, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. all those great memories we have of being cool. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess you could have those at home, but it's not going to be the same. (laughs) Yeah. Her and her sisters probably have a few of the good, she probably has the fights part covered, (laughs) the self-defense parts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, um, this was on some show some at some point, but I liked this quote. Yeah. There's a lot of estrogen in that house. <laughs> yes. yes. You can ask my husband there. Yeah. Definitely, <laughs> there definitely is. So um, 
you started kind of just selling your own stuff and moving along. And let's talk about some of your big sales. Mm. I kind of, I knew you were going to ask that. So I kind of went back and tried to refresh my memory of like the exact numbers. And I think not long after I started going into hard goods. Okay. First of all, I would say 95% of my inventory comes from Goodwill and it's just, it fits my life just with what it is right now. I can go it's business hours when I'm out, I can run in. I never, I don't have a schedule. So I don't really know what days or it just has to be there when I can do it. Let's say the other 5% comes from Facebook marketplace because it's again, something I can just do when I have the time. And so, but I, ironically, my biggest sales probably come from Facebook marketplace. They're that 5%. And I think it's a really nice tool. It's getting a little harder now that they've opened it up and it's just become more resellers on there, but you can sit and scroll and look and look, and then you can find something and you can really take your time and research and really decide if, if you take a little bit of a a chance and buy something that's maybe a little more spendy, if it would actually sell. And, you know, so I do a lot of that. So my biggest sale was actually off Facebook marketplace and it was um, a Chicago stained glass lamp and it was antique. And I bought it from a man um, locally for $300 and I sold it. It took about six months probably, which was actually faster than I was kind of expecting it to sell, but um, it sold for 1200. Wow. So yeah, that was my biggest. And that was terrifying to ship. I, (laughs) I literally went to Walmart and bought brand new full pillows. And like, I just shoved like pillows in everything and around everything amongst everything else. So that recently, um, no, that was probably mm, fall of 2019 or so. Okay. Did you post that on the group? I don't know if I did. Um, well, I, the thing about the pillows, I've seen other people do that or they'll say, yeah, when I'm out thrifting and I see pillows for really cheap that are clean, you know, I'll get those to keep on hand to use as packing material. Um, just that's a really creative idea. I mean, everybody knows about the pool noodles and all that, but, um, some of those, even like the travel pillows you put around your neck, those Mm -hmm. can be good for putting around things to, to cushion them. And, you know, they're not going to be super heavy and add that much weight, but, what's better to cushion something fragile than pillows? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I bought, um, I just went to Walmart. So they were their cheapest ones. I didn't care about their quality, but they were, Mm -hmm. I left them in their um, wrapping so that she would know they were new. Oh, right. I, um, and then she could donate or keep or whatever she wanted to do with it, you know, but I separated the shade, the glass shade from the really, like it was a hard brass Mm-hmm. bottom and I packed them separate, but just, it's funny. It got there and it was safe and she left a review and she was really happy, but she did say, she was like, the packing was slightly ridiculous. Like I a little overkill on the back. <laughs> I'm well, like, I don't care. That's better than this thing arrived in 5,000 pieces. <sighs> so yeah. And it would have broke my heart because I did a lot of research on that. And I learned about the company, the Chicago company and 
it was, it's truly, it was an antique. It had a lot of history to it. And so not just, I didn't, not, it wasn't all just about the money. Like I really wanted it to be somewhere where somebody was appreciating and enjoying it because it was such a cool piece, you know, Mm -hmm. of history. I do like that. But you were smart to take it apart. And I think as uh, for the listeners, as your eBay business evolves, you you start looking at things like that before you buy them. Okay, how am I going to ship this? Does this come apart? Can I, you know, take it apart and pack it in pieces? And mm-hmm. your your brain starts looking at things differently. <laughs> it's yeah. like, no, this is one piece. You know, that's going to be really hard to ship. Like maybe a, a chandelier or a light fixture that has all those globes that and they don't come off, you know, that's, that's going to be a beast, but I've seen several people post floor lamps, table lamps where, you know, it comes apart into five pieces or whatever. And it just makes it so much easier. That's how a store would ship it to you. Right. They would take it apart. Mm -hmm. It would be unassembled. Yeah. And I think you have to think too, what is going to make it worth that kind of stress and work. And for me, that dollar point was worth it. I didn't, I was going to be good with that. You know, if it was $300 into five, even then I'd probably start getting pretty mad when I was shipping, (laughs) you know, if it was only a hundred dollar or whatever, $200 profit, I'd be questioning whether it was worth it, but. But I I mean, even just like a set of coffee mugs, those three mugs and everybody knows I hate shipping stuff like that, but for $125 and yeah. I paid $2 for them. So yeah, absolutely. I wrapped each one in bubble wrap, put each one in its own cube box, and then put those boxes in a bigger box with lots of packing material. And the test is, does it shake? Yes. You seal it. If it doesn't shake and is there enough cushioning on the perimeter of it so that if it does fall off the back of a truck or gets thrown around or whatever, that there's enough cushioning there. And you guys just don't write fragile on anything. No, I don't. That is an invitation for whoever the shipping company is, UPS, um, USPS, whatever. I mean, you've seen these videos on YouTube where they see fragile stickers all over something. And that's an invitation. That's a challenge to see if they can kick it around and they'll break or they throw it against the wall or whatever. So um, just just be incognito, just pack it well and don't put any words on the outside that indicate this is fragile because that might come back to bite you. Yeah. And yeah, what you said about shaking, that's a huge thing. I do have this one. I don't know if it's really a tip, but it's one thing I discovered um, over time that I love for packing. So I will put like over a mug or something that's pretty, you know, outside, I will use tissue paper to kind of soft because it's softer. And then I actually go to Home Depot and I buy, um, it's the brown paper that they use for flooring. Oh, okay. And it's thicker. So as a packaging, and I'll take a piece of that and I'll wrap over the tissue paper of whatever fragile, and then I'll bubble wrap. And it's, it's pretty thick. So you really, it really gives it like an extra barrier. And I'll also use that, you know, in between to help it not move or shake, but yeah, it's just, it's at home. And I know if you buy, it comes in really big rolls. 
And so, um, you know, in our Home Depot, at least, if you buy a few of them, you get like a discount because for, you know, quantity and stuff. So that stuff, it's stiffer than just your typical packing paper. And so I feel like it really, you can really make it keep whatever you're doing firm. They lay it down before, like if you were to get new floors, like hardwood floors or something, they lay it down on the floor. I don't know. Ever since I've started using it though, I've, I've only had a few things break over the three years I've been doing this or so, but um, maybe one or two things, but never since I've started using that. Well, and I think the key to packing breakables is multiple layers. Yes. It's not just bubble wrap. It's do bubble wrap and then put, put in a box or put cardboard yeah. around it and then put some more bubble wrap around that. And you've got all these layers that have air in them because bubble wrap is just air. So yes. um, that's really the trick is, is just keep layering it and then do that shake test. So you don't hear anything moving around and you should be good. Yeah. 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 Okay. What's another big sale? Um, I think I can credit you for this one because I'm pretty sure it was on one of your videos or one of your um, followers a few years ago posted about that Douglas Simba or Lion King. Oh, yes. That's the in the follow book too. Yeah. yeah. The giant five foot long plush Simba from the Lion King. Yes. But it's like specifically the Douglas brand yes. I think because they only made a few yeah it was a promotional I item I think and the the create the manufacturer is Douglas who yeah. also makes all kinds of plush but that is like the holy grail of plush yes that Simba yes and I was fortunate that was exciting I found it was like a Saturday afternoon and we we're being lazy and I normally well I'll talk about that later but I was scrolling on Facebook marketplace and I came across that and it just triggered that memory of learning that it was just stuck in my brain. somewhere. <laughs> and so I got really excited and I texted the guy and he said, Oh, it just, it's, it had been on there for a long time. And he's like, I, I just um, promised it to somebody. And I was like, no. And um, I just told him, well, if it falls through, I can come get it today. And I think he was asking one fifty. And I said, I will give you 175 <laughs> and I will mm-hmm. come today and get it. Oh, you, so, you offered more. <laughs> I did, which is probably, probably not so nice because he did email back in like an hour and he's like, okay, it's yours. If you come get it today, that guy can't compete with that. And I'm like, oh, sweet. So I made my husband get up and we drove, I was probably 25 minutes or so to get him. He was in really good shape. And I listed him that night and he sold for $9.99 plus shipping that really? night. Yes. A thousand dollars basically. Thousand dollars. Yep. So that was a great, that was that was really fun. It's always extra exciting when you can do it all in like a day or this really short time period and you're like, wow, that's, that's so wait, how long did it take to sell? That day. So I got I found him, bought him listed them and sold them all in that Saturday. Oh my gosh. That's about Monday. Yeah. That's fantastic. I love those days. Yeah. That's why I'm always so motivated to list because it could sell that day. Yeah. And I went shopping the other day and I found a bunch of um, 
leather boots, which is kind of unusual for here. Yeah. And all of them were going to sell for over a hundred. And so last night I'm like, so tired. I'm like, I really want to get these listed, but I'm just gonna have to wait till tomorrow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But you just know it, it just eats away at you. Like list me, list me. Cause I could sell in five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not always that great at listing right away, but for certain items that you know are big, then the motivation's even more. <laughs> well, and that's like the holy grail of plush. There wasn't right? any other listed either. So that made it even more. Yeah. Exciting. And so when you find those things, you're absolutely motivated to get them listed right away because they are rare. Mm-hmm. They're very scarce. What kinds of items do you gravitate towards when you're shopping for inventory? You know, I have certain items that make me a little bit more excited. Like I'm like, oh, I'm going to go into the toy aisle now and I get more excited. (laughs) But honestly, my, my, um, I don't know if you want to say motto, but what I've decided to do is just to try to learn something about every aisle and That's why I just, I watch videos. I watch things. I watch a lot of Bolo videos. I try to find things in every single aisle because I wanted to go into a Goodwill and be able to go up and down each aisle and have something that I knew about or something to look for. And granted, most of the time I still find things that I had no idea existed five minutes before that, but you know, I don't know. So, and I keep trying to expand. I don't want to get stuck. I don't really think I have a a specific category, even though I will say plush has been very good to me. I, and I do enjoy plush. I actually kind of first went from like not wanting to touch them and dig through them to like, I'm all in there, like just digging through. Like and, a pig in mud. Just yeah. around. <laughs> yep. And I have made some good money on plush and I like toys. I don't know. Toys just make me happy. And I, I'll find bags of things and I'll take a picture and I'll send it to my daughter and I'll be like, what are these? And she'll know like some doll or some, and I've had a few good sales where I'll come home and like, I bought a Playmobil Victorian house and it was just, um, in a box, just not together at all. And my 12 year old and I sat there for a few hours and she researched everything and put the pieces together and the sets and we built the house and I I loved that. That was fun. Well, I love your 12 year old because (laughs) when we were talking about doing this podcast, you're like, well, I don't know. Um, You were kind of on the fence and then your daughters were like pushing you to do it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) They're like, you have, they're like, why are you even asking? Like, it's not a choice. It's YouTube. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) That's the thing with toys as parents or some listeners or grandparents, you don't really know what the end thing is unless you have kids in your house or your grandkids playing with the stuff because it changes so much. Yeah. So my kids are now 25 and 28 mm-hmm. and their go-to things were Blue's Clues, Bear in the Big Blue House, um, Arthur, um, Barney, you know, all the stuff from those years. And so now that stuff's vintage. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of what I look for, but I don't know what the end thing is right now. I have no clue. 
Yeah. Other than Squishmallows. I do know about that. Yes. My 12 year old was shopping with me in Goodwill and she wanted to find something. So she was going through plush and she found a Squishmallow. And so she bought that with her own money and that's listed. So has some watchers. We'll see. Was it a, a big one or a small? Uh, no, he's around. He's a certain kind. I don't remember what it's called, but he's just round. So I think you can like stack them. They're like stackable ones. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've sold some of the little like five inch for 20 to $30. And um, I sold a frog like December 19th. It was a little frog and the lady got it and she was mad because it wasn't the one her daughter wanted for Christmas. She, I'm like, well, then why'd you buy it? (laughs) (laughs) She was like, oh, it's, it's different than these other ones she wanted. And like, well, why are you waiting till December 19th to get it anyway? And she's like, well, I'm just going to give it to her anyway and just see what she thinks. And I may be returning it and never heard from her again. So Hmm. the kid was probably just happy to get it. And then um, I found one that was a justice store collaboration, you know, justice. Mm-hmm. Girl. Well, you know, that store and you mm-hmm. have three girls. <laughs> everything mm-hmm. has sequins on it or yep. fringe or fur or something. Yes. Um, yes. And it was a collaboration with them and it's a unicorn. It's actually called a llama corn because mm. it is a llama unicorn combo. <laughs> and so I, I saw that sitting on a couch in Goodwill, like somebody had it and then they just, yeah, I don't want this. They threw it over there. So I was like, oh, Mm -hmm. and put it in my cart. That was right when I walked in that Goodwill. So I had, you know, two and a half hours of shopping ahead of me. And I can't even tell you how many people saw that in my cart. And they're like, oh, you found one. You found a Squishmallow. (laughs) And I was like, yeah. And it was a big one. It's like the 20 something inch. So I haven't sold it yet, but um that's a thing now people know. And, um, everyone was so jealous that that was in my cart. And what I should have done was said, you know what, I'll go ahead and buy it. Let's go out to the parking lot and let's make a deal. Yeah. And I'll sell it to you right now. Yeah. But I thought, no, my chances of getting a higher price on eBay are better. Yeah. 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 They do. They, my, my 12 year old still loves toys and dolls. She plays with my seven year old a lot. And and LOL dolls, that's the big thing in our house. The, I don't know if you know what those are, the MGA, LOL, they're called LOL dolls. And they have the little, you can get there, you have a ball and you can open them and they have the stuff or the bigger dolls. Okay. No, I didn't know about that. <clears throat> yeah. They're, they can be, if you find the older ones, they, you know, they they let them out in generations. So generation oh, okay. one, generation I'll have two. to look that up. Yeah. If you can find, if you ever see them, I think more so in like a garage sale, like a lot of them, you could put them together and they'd be worth a lot of, I told my girls, this is something they have to keep because it will be worth money when they are older for sure. Play with them gently. Yes. (laughs) Keep the pieces, keep the boxes. No. Well, when I sold on Amazon, I knew toys and that was 2009 to about 2013 because every Christmas something would be popular and we'd all rush out to the stores to buy some, to put on Amazon and sell for three or four times the shelf price. That was just a business model that I did at the time. And I remember Juju pets, those little mm-hmm. motorized hamsters. Mm-hmm. And what's the doll? It's, it's an L word. 
it's a funny name and, and they look weird. They have long Lala Loopsie. Yes. Lala Loopsie dolls <laughs> and Doc McStuffins mm-hmm. and all these action figures. And mm-hmm. I knew all that stuff at the time, but that business model is really exhausting because you're just yeah. constantly chasing down the next hot thing and you never know when it's going to turn. And that thing isn't going to be popular anymore, or there's too many people selling it. So the price drops. Yep. So now I'm seeing all those things in Goodwill, those La La Loopsie dolls. I'm like, oh, really? It's been 10 years since I sold those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've done, I don't do a lot of retail arbitrage, but I've actually have done it with those LOL dolls because, you know, right before Christmas, when they put their stock out, they'll, they'll kind of clearance some out or right after. And I bought those before and then sold them. And it's weird because I think almost all of them, I maybe bought like four big boxes of the set of dolls. And I think all of them went to like Mexico. And so I don't know if they just don't have access to them there, like they do here or what, but yeah, almost every single one of them went to Puerto Rico or Mexico. Yeah. South America somewhere. Yeah. You never know. It's it's odd. So many collectible plush go to Japan. Mm -hmm. I can't explain that, but it's a fact. I've sold. Yeah. Japan and China. Yeah. Yeah. Global shipping is a good thing. (laughs) So you do the actual global shipping program. I do. Yeah. I've been too lazy to kind of look into, I know you've talked about another Well, I'll go ahead and say it for you and the listeners. The eBay Standard International is eBay's version of First Class International. It goes up to 66 pounds and it comes with $100 worth of insurance and it's under the eBay umbrella. So if anything goes wrong, it's just like global shipping. They step in and take care of it. The issue with global shipping is everything's priority. So it starts at a much higher price. Mm -hmm. So you can offer both and let the buyer pick. And a lot of times they're going to pick that eBay standard international because it's cheaper by a significant dollar amount. Okay. Yeah. I should really look into that. You can go through your listings and just bulk edit and add that to all your listings and just see what happens. But it does have that insurance on it. And you can always add more. Right. It's a very expensive item, but I feel like only using global shipping is um, restricting who's going to buy your item because yes, a lot of things do sell and they pay that high shipping cost. But if you have both of those on there, they may pick the lower price one and you might get the sale. Whereas you wouldn't have, if you only offered global shipping. Yeah. That's good to know. I think I had posted, it's kind of a sad story. I had posted, um, that lantern on um, recently that yeah, Pullman lantern. Yes. yes. That was crazy because I found that in Goodwill and it was in s- such amazing condition. I did research it and even in the condition it was, it sold for what it did, but it, it sold to a guy in China and I packaged it so good. I was very proud of myself and I shipped it off. And that was another thing. It just, the history behind it, it was from the sixties. It still had the stamp on the box of the store that it was bought at and it, which was right, no longer there, right. in right where I grew up kind of in Minnesota. Um, and it was just really cool. 
And I, we got a message from eBay that said that you cannot ship that item to China. They, you can't do a link. I mean, obviously there was no gas or anything oil with it, but you couldn't ship that item to China anymore. And so they're going to let me keep my money and they're going to refund the buyer, but we don't get the lantern back. <laughs> oh. I, was, I know. I mean, it was nice how it was handled, but I was so sad. I'm like, I hope they don't just throw that away or they'll probably sell it themselves or something. I don't know, but yeah, it's gone into the black hole of yeah. lost eBay things. Yeah. But um, I'm like, that was way too cool of a piece to just not somebody have it, you know? I know. I feel like I have a job to rehome things and get yes. them in the hands of people who appreciate them. Yes. And uh, Sherry, who was on a previous podcast, was talking about that. Sherry was talking about how she loves vintage items and loves pretty things and feels like a custodian of these items, getting them to the next point in their journey to someone who will appreciate them, you know, and then after years of that person having them, they're going to move on to somebody else, hopefully. So it's, there's like a chain of custody and we're an important part of that to move that item along to somebody else who appreciates it. Yeah, exactly. Everything that's cool and fun and nostalgic. You want to move those along to other people who can share the joy. Yeah. There's a lot of things I find that aren't necessarily my style or something that I would have in my home, but I appreciate it very much either for its history or because somebody made it. I I'm trying to learn more right now about linens. So, um, and going through and finding and paying more attention to that section. And, um, I decided to sell, it was an Afghan somebody made and it was kind of the zigzag shape, all different colors. And it was really big and it was in very good condition. And I was, it just kind of made me sad that somebody had made that and it ended up in a goodwill for, I don't know, five ninety nine or something. And, and I brought that home and listed it and it sold, it wasn't like huge amount. I think it was like $40 plus shipping, but it just made me so happy that that person's work was going somewhere that that person, you know, that they would really appreciate and like it and use it. Yeah. Um, I also sold a electrician's, it's like a briefcase leather. It had all these loops inside and I found it and I'm like, what is this? And it had a little metal placard thing on the inside, Jensen tools, electrician's case or something like that. So all those loops were for all these tools and fuses and all the stuff an electrician would use. And I had that thing, I know at least six months and just every few months I would end it and restart it. And somebody's going to love this. Somebody's going to love this. This is very Mm -hmm. unique. It was from 1982. And sure enough, somebody bought it for full price, $110. And he left feedback that he just loves it. It's in such great shape. And he was very happy to have it. He didn't say if it was a nostalgic piece for him, like, oh, my dad had one of these or Mm -hmm. anything like that. But he was just thrilled with it. And that's what keeps us doing this is, oh, that thing was five bucks. And I didn't even know what it was. And I made money selling it. And this guy is totally happy. And it's just like, it's gone full circle. Yeah. So I think that's just what keeps us doing this is, 
feedback is so important from buyers, especially if it's emotional and nostalgic, like it's replaced something. They're very happy. Yeah. I try to stick to a specific price point in my mind of, you know, what I can make on the item, but every once in a while, (laughs) just because I immediately get attached to an item. So I found this bowl and it was, it's so pretty and it's, it's, um, opal on the inside and then the outside it's painted and it's hand painted and it's signed on the bottom. And then it's dated 1924. And I'm like, how can I not, how can I not pick this up? Like right. this is pr- almost an antique. Like it's right. I'm somebody painted this and it is in its beautiful shape, like perfect, like no chips or cracks or not even crazy, like nothing. And I don't know. I just, it blows my mind that it's first even there. And second, I can't let that go to a dump. <laughs> no. Even if it's going to sell for Can you $30. Imagine like what has gone to the landfill. Yeah. Like I know eBay sellers that would put on a mask and gloves and a hazmat suit and go dig through there <laughs> to see like what's in here, you know, yeah. under, the, under all the dirty diapers and everything that's gross in a landfill there's just got to be so many treasures that are gone forever. And it's sad. It is. It does. It kind of, especially those really old items that have made it through for so many years. And yeah. Right. Now back to the linens, because that is often an overlooked category and things don't have to be perfect. Um, Have you ever found a Pendleton blanket? I have not. I actually... Okay. I do have one listed in my store. Um, but I bought it. My husband was in a thrift store, antique thrift store in the cities. And he kept sending me pictures of things. And there was a Pendleton blanket and it's, it's more unusual. It has a picture of a run. It's made for like an event. So they put like a picture of a runner on there. Um, and I did get that and it's listed, but I did not find it in the thrift store and it ha- it sat for a while. So I think I'm probably asking too much for it, but it's more unique because it has, it was made for that event. And yeah, but I did find, and I, I like to think that I willed this into existence because this was another <laughs> bolo item that I'm sure I probably heard from again, you or one of your um, Facebook members, but long, long time ago about the baby Morgan blanket. Oh, and I yeah. always kind of looked just out of the corner of my eye. And I finally did find one. Like, Oh, you did. Ago. So mm-hmm. that's in the Bolo book. So look at you yeah. found some things that are in there. Yeah. So that, that proves that the information is valid. If yes. people are finding stuff that's in there. And that was my goal is there's all kind of Bolo lists out there and it's not really a Bolo unless you can actually find it. Yeah, you know, those antique World War II bullets or whatever, you know, yeah. like you're not going to find that. You're not going to find a, a thing from the Ming dynasty or whatever. But these things that keep popping up that people are actually finding. So I'm so yeah. happy you found that. Yeah. The uh, one with the balloons on it. It was. And it's got the satin trim. So it's funny because I went and I looked through and I passed it the first time. And I don't know why, but I came back through a second time and I'm like, I looked at it and I was like, how is this not a baby Morgan? Cause I looked at the tag and the tag actually doesn't say baby Morgan. It says something else on it, 
But then when I, I decided to just look it up anyway, and then I realized that it was, that that's more of like a, just, I don't know what you want to call it, like a slang name or, you know, what a name that no, people I think gave the it. outer packaging has baby Morgan on it, but the blanket itself just says manufactured by whatever. It threw me actually. And I was just like, I thought maybe this was just a copy of a baby Morgan blanket until I looked it up and realized that, no, this was what they, you know, part of the company's name and what they call it. So then I got very excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I look for that every time I have not found one, but I found other things that were surprisingly expensive. Uh, there's a Christian Dior line that was out in the nineties and those will sell for 30 to $40. It's just a, a very soft baby blanket with the little Dior logo and like flowers. So there's all kinds of things in those baby in the baby yeah. linen section and in the regular linen section, the the yep. Ralph Lauren black with the mm. flowers and all that really, I want to say it's gaudy 90s stuff. Like yeah. the really prints that mm-hmm. would be gaudy by today's standards, but everybody had that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And they, Ralph Lauren too really sells for a lot and in, in a lot of their stuff, their home stuff. I have found, I have, um, done Ralph Lauren like dishes. And that was one of my first big, for me, bigger sales. When I very first started is I saw a plate that had a clock on it, like painted on it. And I turned it over and it was called the pocket watch by Ralph Lauren. And I remember I put it back and then I picked it back up and I, I, looked it up and I was shocked and I sold, I think there was two of them and I sold one for 80 and one for a hundred. Nice. And yeah. And they were just like in the two night. So then that put Ralph Lauren dishes and stuff on my radar. So every once in a while I'll go on marketplace and I'll Google for Ralph Lauren. And I have found things that way. I've noticed with Facebook marketplace, it is much better to Google or look for a certain item than to just scroll. Yes. And when you were talking about that earlier, what I used to do when it just started, I would keep a list of things to mm-hmm. look for a couple times a week. And I was did buy some Busilla stocking kits for mm-hmm. $10. I bought several of them from one person and every single one sold for 80 to 100. So yep. I would look for Busilla. I would look for Ferragamo shoes. I would look for any of those uh, things that I knew about that were high dollar bolos, like what I would look for in a thrift store, I just started yeah. looking for on marketplace and you can exactly. search. So it's very efficient if you can keep a list of what you want to look for. Yeah. I've um, actually been known to, I'll sit and watch your bolo videos or others and I'll pause it and I'll just sit there and I'll look right, right there if it's something I've never heard of. And I have actually found quite a few things doing that. <laughs> I just did that this week. I, um, I had never heard of Daisy kingdom dresses. Oh yeah. That's a good one. I had never had heard of that. And so I was watching something and somebody had sold one for a ridiculous amount of money. Mm-hmm. And so I went on Facebook marketplace and I Googled it or I keep saying Google, but I looked it up Search and it, right. Um, yeah. And there was one that I thought was a potential big seller maybe. And it's, I'm taking a chance. I, I do take chances more, but, um, I paid $125 for it and it got shipped to me and I just got it yesterday. So 
we'll see what happens with that. But uh, yeah, I've done that quite a bit where I, yeah. And for the listeners, you could actually just take the Bolo book and go on Facebook marketplace and just look for these things because Mm -hmm. um, not everybody knows everything or they don't care. They just want to get rid of it. They're trying to downsize. They have to move, whatever. I've been that person where it's just, I got to get out of here. I got to get rid of this stuff. And you could just take that Bolo book and just look those things up, save those searches and, that could be just an easy way to find things without even leaving home. If yeah. you're disabled or you're a caregiver or you live where it's bad weather or you have a bunch of kids or it's it's not easy for everybody to get out and go shopping. There's all kinds of things that prevent that. So yeah, um, that's a great idea for you. Yeah, it is, it's worked. It's worked well. But back to that real floor and I found a woman, she was selling three items of the Wedgwood. Mm -hmm. And it was a specific pattern and it was a bowl, um, I think a platter and a, I'm not going to say it right. Cachet pot. Is that right? C-A-C-H-E cachet pot. Yeah. It's kind of like a flower pot, but in this Wedgwood pattern. So I, I got all three of them for $90. And I think Mm, they sold, if I added it all together, it was about $605 worth of things that sold those. Wow. Things. Yeah. They sell for hundreds. I actually got another one. Cause I, like you said, I, I saved that search. So I'll go in and look things up when I have a moment and a person was selling that same pattern, the Wedgwood in the teapot. So I have that listed now too. And that was, that's like a $400 teapot in that pattern. You're good at finding that expensive mm-hmm. stuff. I I'm willing to pay up though. So, and yeah, I know that doesn't thing. work for a lot right. of people. You, you've got to have, there's an element of risk when you pay yes. more and yeah. it's just, you have to be comfortable with that level of risk and everybody's yeah. comfort level is different. Yes. Or your financial situation is different. I've been that person. I, the mom struggling to, yep pay for everything. Like, Oh, the kid needs new shoes. Do I buy that? Or do I go to Goodwill and buy inventory? And it's like, yeah, the inventory is going to create more money, but you know, sometimes money's tight and you you can't buy that $50 item. I totally get that. So, yeah. And I'm kind of fortunate in our situation. My, this is, I mean, we use the money I make, but it's not necessary for our immediate bills and stuff. So I have a little bit more play room and stuff to be able to do that. But I, I completely, I know a lot of people, they love when they get the 25 cent thing at garage sales or the dollar. Thing. And I just, it's just not in the cards for me right now because of what I can time-wise, what I can do, which is really goodwill. And I really, I've never done an estate sale. I've never gone to the bins. I've never I've done some garage sailing and the Facebook marketplace, since you can save your searches, that's the kind of thing you can do when you're at the orthodontist waiting for your child or at the soccer Mm -hmm. game or picking them up from wherever. And you've got 15 minutes where you have to sit there or sitting at their basketball practice or whatever it is, you could be on your phone looking for things during those times where you're just kind of 
stuck somewhere for a while. And it's yeah. like, um, you know, when you, when you're waiting for your child at swimming lessons, there's only, it's only exciting for so long. And then you're yeah. like, okay, <laughs> 30 yeah. more minutes of this. <laughs> so yeah. you can take advantage of those uh, times where you're idle and look for stuff to sell on your phone. I mean, that's mm-hmm. technology's great. You should use it to your advantage. Definitely. And uh, one thing I forgot to ask you was, what is your professional history before you became a mom homeschooling three kids? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I went to school and was an esthetician. Oh, really? Okay. So I did the facials. I worked in a med spa for a little bit. I did, um, and I did makeup. I loved doing makeup. I did wedding makeup and stuff for a while too. Oh, that's and then I did, yeah, I did odd and end things too. My husband owned his own business. We just celebrated our 20 years anniversary and wow. I, you know, for 19 of those 20 years, he's worked from home. So I've helped him with that. And there's been sales involved with that. And what kind of work does he do? Oh, it's well, <laughs> so he's technically, he's a graphic designer. So he, he does the computer part of it. Yes. And he also, he does Amazon though now too. So he's kind of really gotten into the Amazon side of things um, with being reps for different tool companies and generators. And yeah, he doesn't sell generators on Amazon, but the tools he drop ships and does. Um, oh. Last question I ask all of my guests is what is your advice for somebody just getting started or who's struggling Hmm. I think maybe don't pigeonhole yourself, be like willing to try new things and really take advantage of YouTube. Like, honestly, it's, it really is like an education that's just sitting out there. And I don't know. I just, I, I really try to diversify with YouTube and there will be certain people who really, my favorite are the bolo ones because it's clean and easy right to the point, you know, mm-hmm. but there are people who are on there that are specialty in plush or specialty in whatever. And you can watch them and, and take their knowledge, but then you can also learn more than that. And how many items do you have in your store? I right now I have the most I've ever had and it's 303. And that's the most I've, that's the highest I've ever had. I normally am around like the 250 to 275 mark. So are you trying to get to a certain level or are you just looking at the income it provides? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't have a certain level. I think part of why I have more right now too, is my husband has put a few, like probably 10 to 12 listings are his and my daughters now want to do it. So they have a couple listings. on. So that's probably why it's higher. I just, it's, this is what I can keep up with right now in the summer, it maybe changes a little bit because I have a little more time to dedicate to it, but this is the level of listing and shipping that I can handle. You're juggling a lot with homeschooling, three kids, a husband, a home yourself. (laughs) Just, yeah, just life. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, you're, you're in those years now where it's just so busy and the day just flies by and all of a sudden it's time to cook dinner. You're like, yes, we just get up. <laughs> yes, I know. Yeah. It is true. And I want, I have the goal to list a little bit every day. And I'd like to think I hit that, but I don't, not every, I mean, maybe four days a week I do it. 
I go in, I'd like to be, my personality is to be consistent, you know, but my, my reality isn't necessarily that. <laughs> so of course, that's, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> but I, yeah, I don't know. I just think take risks too, like be, if you can, if you're able to, I think pigeonholing yourself doesn't just go for categories, but it also goes for maybe business model, like, you know, try different things and maybe buy the $20 thing and sell it for a hundred. If, if it works, you know, it works. And And I think you have to do that a few times to be confident about it because um, Sherry was talking about, she found a teapot on an online auction, did as much research as she could she paid $125 for it. I think it sold for over 500, but she was like, yeah, I might be out that hundred dollars. And if that's the worst thing, then we'll just keep going because um, you can always get more money. You know, if you look back at your life, money's it's just there. It keeps coming in. You work, you make money. Mm -hmm. It's not the end of the world. If you lose money on something, that's an education you're paying for knowledge. Yes. I remember you said that in one of your videos and that has always stuck with me like rarely, but I mean, I will like think I have something good. I'll bring it home and it's not even worth my time to list it and I'll redonate it. It doesn't, I try not to obviously have that happen often, but I just tell myself that <laughs> like it's just part of my education and just let it, you know, let well, it go. Not everything comes up on the app. If something sold on offer, it doesn't show the offer price. Mm-hmm. If it was a seller initiated offer, it shows the full price. So you might look something up. Oh, it sold for a hundred dollars. And then you get home and you check Terapeak. No, it didn't. They accepted a $50 offer. So it's not hundred percent accurate. It's all we have. And I am waiting for the day that eBay puts Terapeak on somehow on the app, like where you don't have to go out onto the internet and look it up and do it that way, like integrate it with the app somehow so that the pricing information is more accurate when we are out there, but you know, Hey, this thing was a dollar. I'm going to take a chance, go home, research it. Yeah. In education. If it doesn't pan out, that's okay. I'll redonate it to a store that I don't go to. Yeah. So I don't make that mistake again. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, well, but I, you can't beat I, yourself up. It's just, it's a learning curve. It's so it's very true. And I do try to ask myself too, like, even with that dress that I bought, that's a risk. I paid 125 for it, but I I do ask myself, could I sell it for 125? Yes. I'm almost positive. I could sell it for that. And so at least I can make my money back. Right. But I'm, so I'm taking the risk on making more than that, you know, but if I can at least sell it for that, then it's not a loss really, you know, it might be frustrating, but it's not a loss. Yeah. And that's, that's what I ask myself too, is can I at least sell it for, Cost plus 20% to cover yeah. the fees. And yeah. even if you take a loss, it's not the end of the world. You just yeah. lose on. Like, I can't remember five years ago what I took a loss on. I'm sure right. I did take losses, but I just, you just move on and keep going. Yeah. 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 But Facebook Marketplace does give you that. It's less stressful than finding something in person for a lot of money because you do have the time to research and really. Right. You have the time and the technology at your fingertips at home 
to research everything before you buy something. Yeah. So it is, it's not as anxiety producing maybe as being right there in a thrift store or in a garage yeah. sale. Like I got to make a decision right this second. Yeah. So I like that time and space too. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, that has been most educational. Thank you for sharing all of your tips and we will see you on the Facebook group. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Have a fun snowy day. <laughs> yeah. It's supposed <laughs> to snow today. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks again, Jennifer, for being brave enough to come on the podcast and share some things about your business. Let's go over those items that Jennifer remembered later. (laughs) The paper that she was talking about, the name is Aqua Bar or Fiber Lock. I found two different kinds on Home Depot, so you can check that out. And you might want to actually go to a home improvement store and feel this paper because it has fibers in it. It's really thick to see if that'll work with items that you regularly ship. Also, Jennifer mentioned three items she found from the Bolo book. Those are on pages 96, 100, and 129. And I love to hear when sellers find items in the Bolo book because it means I've done my job of providing useful information that helps everybody make more money. Thanks so much for tuning in this week and every week. I'm going to end with a different quote. All things are difficult before they are easy. Isn't that the truth? So just keep going. You'll get there. And I will talk to you next week. Have a great week on eBay. Bye.